Firstly, I would like to uh, thank the church, the pastor, the pastorate committee, and everybody involved in inviting me to give my testimony. Anita, thank you so much. Um, as I was introduced, I come from a Hindu background. I never even expected I would be standing one day and even uh, giving my testimony. So if I was to ask one of you to describe life in a single sentence, what would it be? If somebody was to ask me to describe life in a single sentence, my answer would be, life is nothing but a series of decisions. I repeat, according to me, life is nothing but a series of decisions. If life is a series of decisions, then the decision that I took at the age of 19 completely changed my life. Little did I know that the decision that I was taking at the age of 19, not only would it change my life, it would change my world upside down and even go on to change my eternal destiny. My name is Chitra Valman. I come from a Punjabi North Indian Hindu family. My father's a retired general manager who worked in uh, Naiveli. It's a very small township. He retired as a general manager. My mom's a housewife and have a younger sister settled in America and all of them are staunch Hindus. I basically did my education, my schooling was in a very small township called Naiveli and I studied in a convent school called St. Joseph of Cluny School. Um, basically, I had a very strong thought pattern and the pattern was like this. I was exceptionally good in studies, I had a very high IQ, uh, I was very good in studies and so because of that, I had a very strong thought pattern in which I did not believe in the existence of God. I was not interested in God. I am self-made and I hated Christians and necessarily in that order. So I repeat, I had a very strong thought pattern which included, I am self-made. There is nothing called God and if there was God, it was meant for fools and I hated Christians. And I was so exceptionally intelligent and brilliant that just not in academics, even in extracurricular activities, be it singing, dramatics, sports, or even representing my Christian school for Bible competitions, a Christian convent school sent a Punjabi Hindu like me for inter-school Bible competitions. Now, when I say Bible competitions, uh, it included memorizing some Bible passages, whole passages had to be memorized and you had to go and uh, talk. So among the inter-school competitions that were held, every single school sent the Christian kids me coming from a Christian school, I, a Punjabi North Indian Hindu, went and represented my Christian school for a Bible competition and I defeated every single one and I won the first prize. So with every success that I had, my thought pattern became more and more strong. I'm self-made. I began to drink in all the accolades, the prizes, the praise, the acceptance of people. And I, I was just basking and soaking, you know, in this high wave of success. I, I was a topper and it was an epitome of fulfillment for me. Religion was literally garbage for me. The reason I hated Christians, I'm sorry. I mean, I hope I don't offend anyone. I found them very phony. I found them empty and I did not understand the reason for the religious motivation of promoting Jesus all the time. They're just uh, trying to cram Jesus down the throat of everyone. Here I am, a Punjabi Hindu. I'm coming from a background of millions of idols. I didn't need anyone. I'm self-made. What was so exclusive about this Jesus? Jesus was just a Bible character. What's exclusive about him? I did not like him at all. And I found Christians to be a bunch of people who had a set of negative rules 
I repeat, I found Christians to be a bunch of people who had a set of negative rules always tying to legislate Christianity. And I remember the cliche dialogue of Christians, Jesus never fails. And I remember replying, if a competition was kept between me and this Bible character called Jesus, Jesus will fail. So that was basically my outlook towards Jesus. I made him an object of mockery. See, my life was basically very well planned. Everybody knew that I would become a doctor. My relatives, my school, my teachers, my principal, everybody knew. I'd never seen failure in my life. The first shock in my life is when I miss my MBBS seat by one mark in Armed Force Medical College. That's the first setback I get at the age of 17. It's unbelievable. Nobody's able to believe it. I get BDS seat, the dental seat by merit in Chidambaram Dental College. Uh, for some strange reason, when you're trying for MBBS, you miss the MBBS and you get BDS. It, it, I mean, I was not interested in BDS. I only wanted to become a doctor. So it was a shocker for me, the first failure in my life. And I and my dad decide, so let's try for MBBS after one year. So as a fill-in, my father puts me in a horticulture college and I get it by merit. Meanwhile, one of my friends takes me to a prayer meeting, a Christian prayer meeting. I go very involuntarily. And uh, when I go there, I'm just about 17 years old. Uh, I see some Christian kids of my age, 16, 17, uh, worship. I don't know what they were doing because I, was in, uh, I did not even believe in the existence of God. One was uh, raising a hand and praying. One was jumping. One was crying. One was talking in a strange language. I thought, oh my God, this place is loaded with nuts. I am never entering this place again. I was given a Hindi Bible, which I came home and threw the Bible. So that was my outlook. What's a Bible? Yeah, It's an old, outdated book with writing. This is what I thought about the Bible. So that's how I looked at the prayer meeting. I was put off by the prayer meeting. I did not like it. I made a decision to never, ever go to a prayer meeting again. So now my, I enter into the horticulture college. Every single day in the horticulture class, my dominant thoughts are, how on earth did I end up here? <clears throat> my goal in life was to become a doctor. Having missed the MBBS seat by one mark, I'm sitting in the horticulture class and I'm thinking, oh my god, did I make a mistake rejecting the dental seat? I missed the MBBS seat. I'm sitting in a class which I do not even like. And I feel I'm an entangled web of life heading nowhere. Depression sets in, confusion sets in. And I begin to fare very poorly in the horticulture class. And by the end of the first year, even the zeal to try for MBBS is gone. So you need to understand, meet Chitra Varman, and uh, a topper, a very popular person, the favorite of teachers, principal, name it, I'm a topper. And here I am in the middle of nowhere in a horticulture class. I'm faring so badly. I'm in depression and confusion because I've missed MBBS seat. And I'm thinking, why did I reject the BDS seat? I fare very poorly in my horticulture class. Uh, even the zeal to try for MBBS is lost by the end of uh, the first year. I'm in the middle of nowhere. It looks like I'm in an entangled web of life. And in, hot, you know, in my college life, there's absolutely nothing worth mentioning. You know, I uh, fare very poorly in my college. I think uh, we had an OGP of 4 and I maintained only 3.5, which I've never ever maintained in my life. It was such a low mark. So as I say, there's nothing worth mentioning in, about my college. At the age of 19, my parents are fixing a green card holder for me. 
obviously with my consent and uh, approval. So my parents are going ahead with the green card holder. He belongs to my community, my language, everything. And astonishingly, around the same time, at the age of 19, I bump into a guy in my college who's working. And the first time I meet him, I'm completely put off by him. But as I start bumping into him more and more and more, I start getting attracted to his character. I repeat, I start getting attracted to his character. And this guy happens to be a South Indian Tamilian Christian. Now, from this extreme of hating Christians, now I've come to this extreme where for this Christian, I'm willing to do anything. And knowing fully well that I have an option of a green card holder in front of me, an option of going to America, an option of me leaving India once and for all, my lifestyle can change, everything can change, even for a second. You know, I, I never even think I, I need to get married to this green card holder. I always, I mean, you know, I have this amazing clarity at the age of 19 that if anybody needs to be my life partner, it needs to be a good character guy. I equate good character to my life being secure. And in my mind, I process this Christian, Tamilian, South Indian guy called Ravi Kumar Theodore needs to be my life partner. So even as I'm processing this in my mind, Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore walks up to me and he says, Chitra, I'm interested in marrying you. Wow. I become very happy and I make a deal with him. I say I am interested in marrying you, but there's a deal. I will not get married to you without the approval and the blessings of my parents. It's a non-negotiable issue for me. So he accepts that. And so after that, what happens, he informs his parents. I mean, everybody's Christian. My, uh, Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore is a South Indian Tamilian Christian. His entire family is a Christian. He goes and informs them. He says, I'm interested in this Punjabi called Punjabi, not in Hindu. So they're also getting shock after shock. But they accept me immediately. So knowing fully well that Chitra is a Punjabi, not in Hindu, at the age of 19, I get the approval of his family and everybody from his family. A strange thing starts happening as soon as I meet this Christian guy called Ravi Kumar Theodore. I'm just 19 years old and let me plug in. I do not believe in the existence of God. I do not like Christians. But the moment I meet him, a weird thing starts happening. I'm only 19 years old. I repeat, I do not believe in the existence of God. I start getting strange dreams in which I would constantly see myself in a church, the way I know it's a church is there's a cross in the background and would be standing in front of a pulpit. Apo, I did not even know it's a pulpit. I'm thinking it's a podium because I'm a student, you know, so I'm thinking, eh, church lay in a podium. So I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I'm, I'm standing in front of the pulpit, I'm talking something in front of a mic and there are lots of people in the church, I'm talking something and the dream ends. This is not a one-time random dream. This is a recurring dream which comes for about 90 to 20, 19 to 20 times. And around the 20th time, it catches my attention. I'm thinking, hello, Chitra. If worse comes, you should be seen in a temple. What on earth are you doing in a church? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, that's the only thing that enters into my head. And, and you know, you can be so hardened. And you know, the one thing that catches my attention is, is there a link between me meeting this Christian guy called Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore and these dreams? If this is happening to me, excuse me.
if this is happening to me mr ravi kumar theode comes up with a brilliant idea after having decided to marry me he comes up with this amazing idea where he tells me he is going to ask his close friend called abraham to pray and to ask god i mean i do not believe in the existence of god and here is a guy in my life for whom jesus is everything his uh, faith in jesus is phenomenal i mean like he is telling me he is going to ask his close friend called abraham to pray to the god that i do not even believe exists to find out what god thinks about me and our marriage wow <laughs> what a combo a north indian punjabi hindu who does not believe in the existence of god and here is a tamil south indian a christian for whom god is everything jesus is everything so now abraham fasts and prays to god and this is what he comes up with and this is the information that's given to mr ravi kumar theoda and mr ravi kumar theoda passes on this information to me number 1 god's grace is on chitra <laughs> i did not even know what on earth grace meant i did not know what was grace he said god's grace is on chitra number 2 you a chitra is in your life because of god number 3 chitra will get born again she'll get saved number 4 she'll preach the gospel number 5 your marriage will not be held in the church what do you think would be my reaction it was you know i just started laughing it was like some melodrama it's a melodramatic line from a cheap b grade movie i was not been interested i do not even believe in the existence of god and here is Uh, my husband telling me god is telling this 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 about you the only thing that i reacted for was who cares whether i get married in a church or not how rel- i mean it's of no relevance to me the most non negotiable issue for me is i need to get married with the blessings of my parents and elders only that's important nothing else is important for me no whatever those five points told by abraham just not even touch me it's like teflon it does not make any impact on me i am not interested i know what i need i want to marry this guy this is the man in my life and i need to get married with the blessings and approval of my parents that's it that's my only goal so after i finish my course i go home i end up home and after i go home i disclose the dreaded i start daddy oh <laughs> there is the south indian tamil christian guy whom i am interested in marrying my dad stop it is this some kind of a joke here i am getting ready with a green card holder for you with your approval and consent is this some kind of a joke i hope it's not a joke and i am telling no nanny i'm serious and even as this topic begins the moment my mother hears this my mom's health fails miserably and after i disclose this to my parents person after person starts coming from mr ravi kumar theodore's home his parents he himself his relatives all of them are coming to convince my parents that we have to have this marriage and we like your daughter people of same caste community religion background status nationality language end up in divorce and here i am a north indian punjabi hindu with a different lifestyle different background and here is a south indian tamil christian with a totally different lifestyle totally different background what were the chances of a marriage it was disaster in the making and i am talking about something 27 years back where love marriage was considered taboo and it was looked down upon 
despite my parents rejecting the entire household of Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore, they keep on coming to my home. On one hand, they are not giving up. They are visiting my parents, trying to convince my parents. On the other hand, my relatives are trying to convince me, Chitra, all this happens in college, you know, and it's just infatuation. You don't have to be so serious. Are you an idiot to reject this green card and holder and marry this Tamil South Indian Christian? Have you lost your mind? So his parents are trying to convince my parents in my home. My relatives are trying to convince me to marry the green card holder. The green card holder is after me and I want to marry this guy with the approval of my parents. So this is the scenario in my home. And in the midst of all this, again, I start seeing dream. But this time, the dreams that I see is I'm standing in a playground on a huge uh, stage. Again, there's a cross in the background. I'm standing in front of a mic and there are huge crowds of people in the playground, uh, uh, some sort of a stadium. This dream also I get for about 19 to 20 times. And I think, oh, wow, this time the crowd is bigger. So that's, that's the only thing that ministers to me. I mean, I'm not even interested. When no one is able to convince my dad about Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore, I finally go up to dad and I say, Daddy, listen, I am not going to get married without your blessings and approval, Daddy. I need you. I want your blessings. Make sure from me that I will not marry him without your consent, without your blessings. But we'll make a deal. I'm not going to marry anyone else. I'm going to stay single. Neither will I marry the guy you choose for me, nor will I marry this Ravi Kumar Theodore without your consent and without your blessing. <laughs> so my father tells me, just tell me one thing, there is nothing common between you both. Nothing. This is disaster in the making. What about Christianity? What about his religion? Without even a second thought, I tell him, Daddy, I'll embrace him with his religion. I'll become a Christian. My father is totally shocked, looking the extent to which his daughter is willing to change herself. And let me plug in, the moment I said I'll become a Christian or embrace Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore with his religion, I was not interested in Christianity. I, nor was I interested in that Bible character called Jesus. My intent was to bring down the misunderstanding between us both and to make the marriage work because I know every single person is telling this is disaster in the making and it is eventually going to fail. So my goal was not to lose out on this guy and to make the marriage work. And I think maybe embracing Christianity might bring down the misunderstandings. So seeing the seriousness, my dad calls up my to-be to mother-in-law and he tells her, uh, after meeting you all, all the more I'm convinced that my daughter will not adapt into your home, into your lifestyle, into your background. But simply because Chitra's adamant to marry your son, I am giving in for this marriage. I'm going to do everything. I am. My daughter's even rejected the green card holder. She's bent upon marrying your son. I am going to do everything that is needed for this marriage. I'm going to give a financial stability in the form of 100 plus sovereigns of jewelry. I'll conduct a grand marriage. I'll give everything that is needed to make a home run. But there's a condition that I'm going to lay. We are not going to accept for a church marriage. Oh my God. The moment he said we are not going to accept for a church marriage, the first thing that strikes to me is, how on earth did Abraham know 10 months back that my dad sitting in Navy would not accept for a church marriage? What's going on here? Why am I being surrounded by a bunch of weirdos? Little did I know that Abraham had spoken through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that my marriage would not be held in the church.
So my marriage is fixed for February 10, 1994. Now, since it's not going to be a church marriage, so what do we do? Three days prior to my wedding, one pastor lands up in Abraham's house and surprisingly, he has the rights to legally uh, conduct a Christian marriage. He's ordained to conduct a Christian marriage legally. So he ends up in Abraham's house three days before my wedding. So the marriage is fixed for February 10, 1994 in my husband's ancestral home in Chennai in Ainawaram. February 9, 1994, 24 hours before my wedding, my dad comes up to me and he says, Chitra, last possible opportunity I'm giving you. 24 hours before my... <clears throat> 24 hours before my wedding, my dad comes up to me and he says, I'm giving you the last possible opportunity to reject this guy. And he tells me, this is disaster in the making. This is not going to work. And he tells me, this guy called Ravi Kumar Theodore is just physically attracted to you. He's going to dump you in six months or maximum one year. Listen to daddy. I cannot see your life being ruined. Why don't you embrace the green card holder? Your life is going to be better. This guy is just physically attracted to you. He's going to dump you. Listen to daddy. I cannot see your life being ruined. And I just hold his hand and I say, daddy, stand by me. Don't ask me to choose between me and him. Between him and uh, Mr. Ravi Kumar, between my father and my, uh, Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore, I need both of you. I want you to stand by me. So my father gets upset and he just walks off. You can just imagine 24 hours before my wedding when your own dad comes up to me, comes up to you and begs to you, don't get married. You can imagine the pressure that's mounting in the air. I can sense the pressure is completely on my shoulders to make this marriage work. Now the number one goal in my life becomes to make my marriage successful, to make my marriage the number one marriage. I know the pressure is completely on my shoulders. Nobody's on my side. None of the relatives. I mean, they, they, they bless me, but they think this is disaster in the making. It's the tension is unbearable for me. It's on my shoulders. So February 10, 1994, I get married in my husband's ancestral home, Chennai Ainavaram. It's a Christian marriage. It's legally ordained by a Christian pastor. And I get married with the blessings of about 200 relatives. Evening, my dad throws a very grand reception in Dasa Prakash Hotel. And uh, even, when I'm even when I'm standing in the, on the stage, three Christians come and pray for me. And the first person who comes and prays, he lays his hands on my hand and he says, Chitra, God's grace, oh my God, don't start it all over again. God's grace is on you and you're going to, use, you're going to be used by God. What is it? Oh, you're going to be used by God, the first person says. So I'm thinking, why is everybody using this word grace? Yeah, is, is it some cliche dialogue that Christians use? After some time, another Christian comes, he prays for me and he says the same thing. Chitra, God's grace is on you. You're going to be used by God. After some time, a third Christian comes. He lays his hand on me on the stage and he says, Chitra, God's grace is on you and you're going to be used by God. And I'm thinking, what on earth is grace? Yeah. I, heard, I hate this word grace. Why is this word grace chasing me? Ever since I met this Christian guy called Ravi Kumar Theodore. I do not like it. I do not understand what it is. And simply because three people have repeated the same thing, I'm not even able to focus on my reception. 
so my reception gets over and the next day they do something called immersion baptism i don't even know what it is i'm willing to do anything for this guy you know i don't want to lose out on him so everything is you know to make the marriage work that's the intent nothing is you know out of the heart it's all to impress this guy so i uh, get ready for immersion baptism and uh, after the immersion baptism i mean I, i i did it so mechanically after the immersion baptism they named me grace chitra a word that i hated a word that kept chasing me and now it's linked to my name oh my god i hated it to the core uh, after my marriage i see my husband reading the bible so i went and joined with him all to impress you know i'm not interested in the bible i just want to impress him i want to show to what extent i am willing to adapt for him so it's all carnal meant to impress my husband exactly one year after my wedding 1995 one afternoon uh i am having a nap and in that one year you know the tension is too much for me to bear there are so many relatives and people in the society commenting ah this is just disaster in the making its physical attraction its lust is this it's that they pass so much loose comments and everybody is thinking it's a matter of time before a marriage might break and so it's too much pressure for me on my shoulders i'm 24 bar 7 there's only one thing on my mind how on earth do i make my marriage success is this guy only physically attracted to me will he leave me and go so one year exactly after my wedding 1995 one afternoon i'm sleeping and in the sleep i see a dream in reality it is matthew 7:25 but it would take 5 years for me to find out that it's a bible verse so this is how the dream is you know i am sleeping i see a huge rock and it's like drizzling and the sentences start going and the rains came and the floods descended and winds blew and beat upon that house and that house fell not for it was built upon a rock the sentence would start it would complete the sentence would start it's like how you would see a flash news in a tv you know the sentence would start and it just went on for about 2 to 3 minutes and in reality what is happening is it's like i have stepped on a high voltage electric wire i can literally feel some uh, electric uh, i don't know how to explain it some kind of electric energy passing through me it's like i have stepped a high voltage wire and i'm being baptized in some liquid energy and it's so much out of the ordinary and this dream i see for about 2 to 3 minutes and the dream ends and this uh, this kind of electric electric tingling that i get that also stops and i wake up flabbergasted and this is so out of the ordinary the experience that i have that i even forget what i've seen in my dream i cannot remember the sentence simply because i do not know the bible so i named this the flash news dream so when my husband comes from uh, his work i tell him i saw some vague sentences you know going in my dream and some electricity kind of thing was passing on me and we name it i name it the flash news dream and the topic ends right there what i had actually seen was matthew 7:25 a verse out of the bible but i would find that out only after 5 years year 2000 i and my husband are attending a morning church service sunday morning church service the pastor from the pulpit i'm talking about year 2000 and the dream that i saw was in 1995 year 2000 the pastor from the pulpit starts quoting matthew 7:25 for the pastors matthew 725 for me it's my flash news dream i'm thinking hello what is the pastor quoting my flash news dream and i totally flabbergasted so even as the pastor starts quoting and re-quoting matthew 725 i quickly open the bible 
and Matthew 7.25 turns out to be my flash news dream or let's put it this way, the flash news dream turns out to be Matthew 7.25. I am in a state of shock. A complete Bible verse has come in my dream and it's next to impossible simply because I do not know the Bible. I quickly tried to check the context in which this verse is written and this verse is talking about a wise man who built his house keeping Jesus Christ as the foundation of the house and just because he chose Jesus Christ that house becomes immobile and incapable of being destroyed. You know I am in a state of shock to impossible things a Bible verse and the context is addressing the very issue I am burdened with. Even as I am trying to process this at this point I cease to see. I cease to see and I begin to feel. I begin to feel to whatever depths of consciousness I possessed at that moment. I suddenly become aware of a presence. It's like time has been suspended around me. I become aware of a presence and this presence starts advancing towards me and starts engulfing me like a blanket. And in the midst of this, I hear a voice that's literally echoing and telling me, come on Chitra, choose me, Jesus, as the foundation of your house. Wait and watch how I build your home. I am in a state of shock. You know, when Jesus reaches out to you, it just does not touch your body. It seeps through you and touches your innermost being. It touches your soul. I find myself involuntarily submitting to this awesome, awesome, awesome presence. I find my intellect, my snobbery, my pride, my ego, my, my so-called sophistication, everything just melting away in this presence. I who prided in being an intellectual agnostic, I who once said there is no God out there and if there is one, it's up to him to prove himself to me. I'm not going in search of anyone. Here I am, face to face, contrary to logic, contrary to intellect, I am face to face with an irrefutable real presence of this Bible character called Jesus Christ. And I find myself melting away in this awesome, awesome, awesome presence. Every cell in my body is a witness to the reality of the existence of Jesus Christ. Talk about life's defining moment. That moment becomes my life's defining moment. You know, what, what are those life's defining moments? These are those moments which fundamentally change you. They have such a catastrophic effect on you and they have such a transformative effect that it completely makes you reevaluate your priorities, your outlook to life, your perceptions, what you think about life. It happens to be my defining moment. Every cell in my body is witnessing to the reality of this Bible character called Jesus Christ. The immediate outcome is profound knowledge of the real presence of Jesus Christ. And the next outcome is stark, raw, primordial hunger. Hunger to know who this Bible character called Jesus is. I make a decision in the church. I am going to know you. And let me plug in. My search was not for knowledge. My search was for the one who reached out to me when I was an object of mockery. So I decide in that crowded Sunday morning church in Coimbatore to know who this Bible character called Jesus is who touches me in such a way. And I go home and start reading the Bible. 
Bible has landed up in my hands several, several times before. This is not the first time I'm holding the Bible. What was a Bible? Yeah, an outdated book, dried ink, which has no relevance. I've thrown it so many times. When I got the Bible and from the Hindi prayer meeting I attended, I threw it. I do not even know where it was. I did read the Bible after wedding. It was all carnal, meant to impress my husband. But now when I take the Bible, the Bible is not dry ink on a piece of paper. The Bible is alive. Did I hear somebody saying, what are you saying? Bible is alive. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit, their foolishness unto him, because they are spiritually discerned. As Jesus has put in John 6.63, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing ascent of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrows, and is a discern of the thought and the intents of the heart. The Bible is written for this. Of course, you use your brains. The scripture starts popping out of the Bible. My understanding about the Bible expands. The Bible is full of life. I'm so amazed with this newfound rock in my life called Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, not bad, yeah. The invisible seemed to invisible is on my side. This person, this Bible character called Jesus Christ, whom I've chosen as my rock, he's this invisible person, but he seems to be on my side more than the visible people around. Year 2005. I'm doing my household chores and even as I'm doing my household chores, a random thought comes in my mind, Chitra, is there any use of you reading the Bible? And even as I'm thinking of this thought, I hear a voice replying, you shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water which bringeth forth its fruit in a season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, Psalms 1-3. Oh my God, I'm totally zapped. I turn around and see and I'm thinking, who is this replying to my thoughts? My first thought is, is my house haunted? Excuse me. My first thought is, is my house haunted? And I turn around and I see no one. So I just come up with an idea. I think, okay, let me pose another question in my mind. I pose this question in my mind. Who are you? comes the reply, before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee. Oh my God. Oh my God. I cannot even believe there is a voice that is able to understand my thoughts. It is replying back to my thoughts. I'm feeling so peaceful about it. It is unbelievable. I turn around, there's no one. I quickly go and open the Bible. The Bible calls it the Holy Spirit. Now I have another invisible person called the Holy Spirit. I invite the Holy Spirit into my life. The Holy Spirit becomes my new friend. So now I have two invisibles on my side, Jesus Christ, the rock and the Holy Spirit. And from the get go, the Holy Spirit becomes my best friend. I start building my relationship with him through the word. And in a matter of few days, I share such a vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is more real to me than any visible person around to the point where I start making full-fledged conversation with the Holy Spirit. My husband, when I informed my husband about the Holy Spirit, my husband is somehow not when uh, astounded. Maybe he knew something. He just asked me to note down everything in a diary. So even I, I have now two invisibles on my side, Jesus Christ, the rock and the Holy Spirit. And what I think is the climax of my life 
with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ having entered into my life is not the climax. And I would like to plug in here, my husband who used to be my world and everything slowly after Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit entered into my life, my uh, world starts revolving around Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now they are my world. My understanding totally changes after the Holy Spirit comes into my life. I understand the Bible better to the point where my Christian husband comes and uh, starts clarifying doubts about me, uh, about the Bible to me. So I repeat what I thought is the climax of my life with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ being in my life is not at all the climax. It is just the beginning of me moving into a whole new dimension of God's plan for my life. Year 2000, the pastor of the church where I'm attending, he calls me and he says, Chitra, the Holy Spirit has asked me to tell you that you need to give a message in the youth retreat. I said, okay, pastor. <laughs> and the message is in Tamil, a language that I cannot read and write. And that's why I'm talking about 2007. You can imagine how my Tamil should have been. So as I prepare for the message and I stand in front of the pulpit to give the message for the first ever message in 2007 for the youth. And even as I'm standing there and I begin to speak, I get a flashback. In the flashback, I see at the age of 19 as a student, the dreams that I had seen of me standing in front of the pulpit in a church after having met this Christian guy called Ravi Kumar Theoda, I was not even saved. I was not even a believer. I did not even believe in the existence of, the existence of God. Those dreams come in my flashback. And what I thought were dreams at the age of 19 were not dreams. It's God's way of showing his plan for my life. And what I saw at the age of 19 as a student becomes reality in 2007. I give my first ever message in 2007. It becomes a big hit among the youth. The youth are touched. After that, I'm called church after church to share my testimony. People get touched. People invite me to, my, to their retreats, mainly to share my testimony. It's so touching. My point is an object of mockery once because of the kind of marriage. How God honors me after I choose him as the rock of my life. How God honors me to the point where I am being called to counsel uh, Christian couples who are having a rocky marriage. To that extent, God honors me. So now let me come back. There may be things in your life that seem so disconnected. Let's take me itself for example. Me, having missed the MBBS seat by one mark, rejecting the BDS seat, rejecting the green card holder, choosing Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore, all this seems so disconnected and it was looking like it was getting entangled in a web. But God knew that it was Mr. Ravi Kumar Theodore would be the instrument through which I would be saved. In an attempt to save my marriage, I ended up getting saved. In hindsight, everything makes perfect sense. You know, there's a verse that I often see in Christian wedding cards. This thing proceeded from the Lord. What I thought was a love marriage was not a love marriage. This thing proceeded from the Lord. And you know, person after person after person after person said, oh, this is just lust, man. Physical attraction, disastrous marriage. Let me tell you, I am married for 27 years, a happy married life. And that house fell not, for it was built upon a rock on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Okay. I just want to tell you one thing. You know, all of us have a God-shaped, there's a God-shaped vacuum inside every one of us. It's meant 
you know if there is a vacuum all of us try to fill it with all kinds of things none of the perversions will fit in it is meant only for the love of jesus sometimes we all get engrossed with life with winning losing what is right what is wrong all of us get so busy that we forget what is important in life you know what's important in life what is important in life is life itself talking about life i made so many adjustments in order to save my marriage this is just a temporary life and i ended up getting saved certain things in life are inevitable whether you like it or not whether you believe it or not just like all of us are born into this world we are going to die one day death is inevitable whether you like it or not believe it or not heaven and hell are real places jesus christ died for the sins of the entire human race he didn't die just for christians he died for the entire human race he paid for the sins of the entire human race the penalty has been paid it's up to you whether you accept jesus christ as your personal savior for the sins that he paid for you your choice is going to decide whether you're going to heaven or you're going to hell choice is yours and at this place i repeat and the house fell not for it was built up on a rock on christ the solid rock i stand